If you are stuck in the grind and don't know how to get moving, if you have lost your dream or struggle to know how to make it happen, if you have been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life with tools, knowledge, and support that will allow you to create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who have already created success in their lives and businesses and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. My guest today, Ricky Lee Hotz, is the owner and registered dietitian at A Taste of Health and a professional dance instructor at TM Ballroom Dance Studio. She is a private practice registered dietitian nutritionist in the Denver area who works with a wide range of clientele. Her primary focuses are working with eating disorders, athletes, and dancers, weight management, GI disorders, as well as other medical issues. She is also a professional competitive ballroom dancer and instructor who calls herself Denver's Dancing Dietitian. She loves to combine both her specialties and passions in order to provide health, wellness, and growth to individuals in all aspects of life. Well, Ricky, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I appreciate the opportunity to learn more about your story. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Robert. And it's so great to chat with you. It's been too long. Absolutely. So obviously now you're, you're working as an entrepreneur, but you've kind of been entrepreneurial under your mom's lead for, for a little while. Could you share a little bit about how you got started? Yeah, yeah I have kind of a crazy journey. So I, um, I went to school like a lot of individuals, you know, just the, the undergraduate degree and all of that. I um, went in to study nutrition right off the bat. Um, and then afterwards, I did decide kind of as I was going through that nutrition degree that I wanted to be a registered dietitian. And so I ended up getting my master's degree. I did my dietetic internship. And during that process, they do make you kind of put together a business plan and things along those lines. And I thought, well, this is great. Maybe I'll use it 10 years down the line or something like that. Um, but after I finished and passed my licensing exam, I got my first job out of school and I worked part time. I was working under someone else, which was fine, but it wasn't quite the way I like to do things. And for me, I very much, if I'm working with patients or with clients, I like to be able to do things in a way that I feel I'm going to be giving them the best benefit. Um, and so about three or four months into that job, my mom gave me the opportunity where she said, you know, I need someone to help me with this transition in my business and clinical research, and you have all the qualifications to help me with that. So if you help me, I'll help you start your own nutrition practice as a dietitian. And so I said, yeah, let's do it. Um, and yeah, from there, basically, she helped me with a lot of the business side of things that we don't get in school. As dietitians, we learn how to be good practitioners, but we definitely don't learn a lot of the business tips and techniques. Um, and so that took about, you know, six months kind of to get everything rolling while I was still doing some work for her. And then I got my practice started up, um, which was super exciting. I was learning, I was figuring things out. 
And then eventually um, I had the opportunity with my dancing for a professional dance partnership. And this was about two months after I'd started seeing clients in Arizona. And so with that opportunity, I said, well, I feel like I've learned what I need to, to pick up and take this somewhere else. And so I picked up my practice. I moved to Denver. Um, I started teaching dance lessons. And then I also just started working up my practice from the ground up. Nice. So start a business and move it two months later. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> not, not your traditional entrepreneurial path, but one that ended up working out quite well for me. Nice. So what's, what's been the most valuable for helping you build an audience, build a following here in Denver? Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, it was a really good experience moving to somewhere like Denver because, you know, in Arizona, I was already connected, so I didn't have to try very hard. Um, and I had a good referral base. Then I moved to Denver where I knew no one. <laughs> and so I started off by going to a lot of different networking groups just to try and figure out, okay, what's the business side of things? What are the connections I can make? What tips and ideas can I get for marketing? And then I also, you know, I, I went the good old fashioned way of going, you know, door to door, doctor's office to doctor's office. Here's a pamphlet with my information. I'd love to chat with you about what I do. I'd love to help you with your clients. And so that's kind of how I got started. And then I used a lot of online marketing. So I, uh, I was strongly encouraged to get a website developed. And so I worked with um, a great person that I, I knew from one of the networking groups who helped me kind of get a bare bones website. And then I learned myself how to develop that and turn it into my own. And then from there, just getting on a bunch of different marketing sites where my name was listed, like healthprofs.com and Yelp and Google business listings. Uh, and as well as doing like blog posts through my website and different social media marketing too. Nice. And so what, what, what was the main driver for your website? What kind of information were you able to put out to yeah. let people know what you're doing? Yeah. So with my website, I felt like it was, you know, these days, a lot of the time people feel they can get by with just a good Facebook page or something along those lines. And I realized that I wanted to be able to more clearly present my information as opposed to just presenting a post here, a post there. I wanted to be able to say, okay, this is who I am. This is what I do. These are my philosophies and really clearly delineate that provide a platform where people can go online and look at, you know, what my package options might look like or what scheduling might look like, as well as having a resource where I can have a clear blog where people can go and they can easily scroll through informational posts as opposed to just the going on posts that you might see on social media. Nice. And you kind of briefly mentioned your professional dance career, which mm -hmm. is what brought you to Denver. So what have been the challenges of, of being a professional dancer and mm -hmm. trying to start your business or build your business? Yeah. So I would say, I mean, time management is definitely a big thing, a big challenge, I guess you could say is because you want to be able to put in the time and effort to both things that you're doing and you don't want to let any one side of things 
Slack, just because at least in my environment, both of those things are very important to me. My practice as a dietitian, as well as, you know, the, my professional dancing is something that I'm passionate about. I wouldn't have moved to a different city for it if I wasn't. So for me, it was really figuring out, okay, what can I do to utilize my time as efficiently and effectively as possible so that I can be successful in both realms of life? Nice. Yeah. So, so what, what, what helped you in, in managing your time? So a lot of it was kind of seeing on the nutrition side, you know, when are going to be my highest volume hours of nutrition clients? So what times do I absolutely need to set aside as these are the times I'm seeing my nutrition clients? This is the way I'm structuring this so that I'm not crossing over so much. Um, and then knowing that like with teaching dance and with practicing, okay, these are the times that I'm going to be most productive for practicing. These are the times that I'm going to be able to teach and give the students a clear schedule and give you guys the ability to come in consistently as well, where I'm not just saying, well, I can, I've got three lesson slots a week and that's all, all I can give you. Um, but really being able to say, I really just had to sit down and I had to get a good calendar together and I had to be able to really be open with all my different clients of this is kind of the life that I have and there will be times when my schedule will be flexible and I hope that you can kind of bear with me on that and I will give you that same that same um, balance, I guess you could say, where my clients, if they have weird things come up with their schedules, I'm always happy to really adapt for them. And that way, you know, if I have to adapt, then they feel a little more comfortable with that as well. Now, had, did COVID impact your nutrition business? I mean, did it push you to, to do more and more online? Absolutely. So, before COVID, I did a little bit of virtual nutrition. I had some clients that I would see in Arizona or California. Uh, so I, I already had everything set in place to do telehealth and to do video nutrition, which was really nice. Um, once COVID started, obviously everything went virtual. And so that was kind of a crazy transition, not going into the office every day and learning how to really connect with individuals in a virtual setting. But, you know, I'm at a point now where I'm back in the office, but I, I would say about 85% of my clients are still virtual. Well, it just saves drive time, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Just, just that then, alone is a huge saver. Yeah. And that's something I say with my clients, unless they truly find that that in-person interaction is of significant benefit for them, which I do have a few clients who do feel that way where through a screen, they just can't quite make that connection. But otherwise, most of my clients see the exact same benefit. And like you said, the convenience of being able to, you know, take a lunch break or something like that and do their nutrition visit without having to take that extra time off to drive or to travel somewhere is a huge lifesaver for a lot of people and actually helps them feel like they can maintain the work that they're doing rather than having to be stressed about the work that they're doing with you. Well, and now it's allowed you to expand your practice back to Arizona and, 
in California. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I see clients, Arizona, California, Texas, um, basically any state that I'm allowed to practice across state, state lines. I am always open to seeing clients and I do have clients in quite a few of those states. That's so great. So what, uh, what helped you develop confidence? That's a good question. Um, I would say as a dietitian, it, it did take a second. Um, because I got into the field, I went through school just very diligently. And so I was a practitioner by the time I was 24 years old. And so for me, it, it took me a second to be able to say, no, I, I am an adult and I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I think for me, it was just trusting in the fact that I have the knowledge, I know what I'm talking about, and understanding that because I am a bit younger, that sometimes I'm going to be able to learn from my clients about from their life experiences, things that they've tried, things that they've done, and I'll be able to adapt and learn the way that I interact with individuals based on their life experiences as well. And I think that ability to understand that you aren't necessarily the end all be all know everything person, but you can learn and adapt and take knowledge from others around you, I think has been crucial to my own confidence because it, it pushes me to not feel like I have to always know the answer, but that I can always work to find the answer. Nice. Yeah. Well, and, and now to support your professional dancing, you're also teaching dancing. How much different is it to be a dancer or to be a trainer of dancers? Yeah. So it's definitely really different. I do, I do say teaching helps my own dancing quite a bit, which is really cool. Um, when I moved to Denver, I had only taught maybe a couple group classes and hadn't had a lot of teaching training. And so for me, it was definitely a new experience, but, you know, being able to teach dancing is super fun for me because it's the ability to be able to say, okay, like I do in nutrition, what can we do to make this enjoyable? What can we do to make this a fun part of your life and a good, healthy part of your life? And then give people that enjoyment of being able to say, I can put on a song and I can move to it and I don't have to be uncomfortable about, about moving to that song. Nice. So let's talk about character as a, as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. how has, how has your character grown? So I think it definitely, you touched on the confidence side of things. Um, as an entrepreneur, it's definitely something where I've had to learn that I can't, you know, you can't just rely on someone else to give you a schedule, go about your day, then come home and leave it in the office kind of thing. You know, it, it's really helped me take control over my own life and be able to really say like, okay, this is how I'm doing things. This is what I do. This is why I do it. And really be able to become, I guess you could say, an authentic individual within myself. Uh, because I don't have to try and meet someone else's standards. I mean, maybe in, in the professional dancing a little bit. But 
you know, as a dietitian, I, I can really, I can take the evidence, I can take the knowledge that's necessary to be a good practitioner while still being who I am as an individual and allowing that to drive my success in business. Nice. All right, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Okay. What's, uh, what's your most memorable date? My most memorable date? That's a good question. Um, and this is going to be a really funny question I'm asking back. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Miss Congeniality? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's clarify. Are we talking about a date with another person or are we talking about <laughs> a date on a calendar? <laughs> nope. You you could choose either one, but the intention was date with, with another person, hopefully your significant other. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought, but I just wanted to make sure. So <laughs> I would say my most memorable date was my first date one-on-one -on -one with my significant other, my current significant other. Um, our, our first date together was basically with another couple. So it doesn't count, but <laughs> I met him out in Portland cause he was living in Seattle at the time and he was at a dance competition and we travel, I traveled out there, met him and we went and we explored like the Portland Botanical Gardens and explored a bunch of different cool restaurants and you know, the eccentricities of Portland as a city. And I think that that for me was super memorable because I had the opportunity to see cool things and experience cool things, but also have really good in-depth conversation that you wouldn't have generally at your classic movie and dinner date. Nice. <laughs> yeah, dinner, dinner and a movie don't exactly lend themselves to lots of conversation. Exactly. So, so what do you guys love to do in your free time? <laughs> so we don't have a lot of free time, <laughs> <laughs> but when we do, we're definitely a couple of homebodies most of the time. Um, a good movie or some guilty pleasures are a good video game. Um, and you know, just that, that friendly competition or, or teamwork of trying to accomplish something in a way that's relatively relaxing and enjoyable on a weekend past the time. Um, if we do have a little more energy, we always enjoy a good night out social dancing where we're not the ones working, but we're just dancing with each other is definitely something that is a fun occasional date night for ourselves and a fun weekend thing to do. Nice. So do you have a niche that you serve and, and how did you choose that niche? That's a good question. So I've kind of explored a little bit in terms of the whole niche market. And there was a time when I thought I'd go very particular about the market that I wanted to serve. And then I realized there was a little bit more of a need rather than for me choosing one specific area. So I have three or four, I would say. Um, and so eating disorders is a really big area that I serve. It's something that, you know, they're, they always need practitioners that are able to really work with people beyond just a basic, what are my food needs, but how do I handle that relationship with food? 
And that actually carries over really well to, I, I do work with weight management clients and people that are trying to lose weight or gain weight or, you know, trying to adjust how they're feeling physically in their body, just in general with health. And for me, a big part of that is not really, is helping people not just focus on the number on the scale, which we all get so obsessed with, but being able to say, you know, rather than trying to meet a quick fix, what can I do to really make food and eating a healthy part of my lifestyle where I don't have to feel restricted when I'm trying to eat, but I can really enjoy the foods I want to enjoy, but I can balance them appropriately to make sure my body's also enjoying the foods that I emotionally want to enjoy. Yeah, I have conversations Obviously, for, for my clients as, as business people, mm -hmm. their lifestyle is still an important part. Um, and yes. we have the conversation all the time about our culture as a whole mm -hmm. has taught us to eat emotionally and, oh, yeah. and tied, tied food to our feelings. You know, mm -hmm. we pick up food on a menu based on how it makes us feel, not on, on how it, not even on how it's going to taste typically. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and very little conversation about food being fuel and, mm -hmm. And making that transition from emotion to, you know, practical. What What's the most practical food to eat? And, of course, none of us want to eat practically. Otherwise, you know, we'd all just have these boring, you know, fiber bars or something to eat. But yeah. there, there's got to be a place in between, right, a, a balance where, where I can eat food as fuel and I can still be happy about it. <laughs> exactly. And that's a big thing that I work on because a lot of the time my clients that come to me for, say, weight management – have that mindset of, well, I need to be switching to only food as fuel. And that's just not how it, it's not healthy to be that way either. You know, that's different if we were still hunters and gatherers and trying to survive maybe, but that's not the life we're in in this world anymore. And food is a big part of our cultural and social environments and so to completely restrict yourself from those environments just because food is only fuel is also a bit of a disordered relationship with food <laughs> <laughs> so being able to say i can go and i can participate in the social environment but i don't have to eat until i feel like i'm going to go into a food coma in order to enjoy the experience <laughs> exactly yes. that's so good <clears throat> so what what inspires you? So I would say there's a few different things that inspire me. A big thing for me that I've learned that I find is inspiration is really looking into how can I help individuals that don't normally get the help that they need, hmm. especially in the nutrition world, because you know, if you go to the to a, to a hospital and there's a dietitian that speaks to you there, they can be the best dietitian you've ever met, but they're only allowed to spend 15 minutes with you. And so you can't provide what an individual needs in a hospital setting in 15 minutes. It's just, it's not possible. And so being able to really, for me, the inspiration is being able to see individuals that have had a really hard time being able to find who they are and how they can include a healthy eating lifestyle within that 
love for themselves and for the life that they're living. And that I find is a big inspiration. And if I switch that over to dancing um, and teaching dance, an inspiration for me is being able to see people find that joy in movement to music or a benefit in health or posture or things where they take, you know, we're like, oh, we're coming here for a fun date night. And it turns into this is a time when we're learning how to communicate better or we're learning how to do something that may be a little bit frustrating or challenging, but we're able to take that and find the joy in it and continue to grow as people. So I think that's kind of the things that inspire me are seeing people grow and develop that I'm helping in the process. That's right. You helped me stop tripping over my feet. <laughs> exactly. Learn how to keep your feet underneath your body. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> my fear is that obviously for the last year, we, we haven't had the opportunity and, and uh, mm -hmm. now we've got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> exactly. It, it's hope, like riding a bicycle. I, I'd like to hope that my brain retains something. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned your mom helping you get your business started and obviously serving as a mentor. Um, how else have mentors helped you in your your growth journey? Yeah, so I think, you know, I've had a few different people that have been good mentors for me in the process. Um, in the nutrition and business world, I definitely, like I had said before, my mom helped me a ton just understanding the basics of running a business because you know, in the health world, that's definitely not something we get educated on in school. And so that was really helpful. I would say um, in general, other mentors, just even even people like my mentor, who was called my mentor in grad school, um, she was able to really guide me in a research setting and a learning and understanding setting which then she was someone I could still reach out to about current research and about questions I had um, on things that I was trying to put into practice later on in life. And then, you know, in, in general, from there, other dietitians that had been in the field for longer, always being able to know that I have those resources and I can reach out because when you work for yourself, you don't have those resources directly on hand. So you have to be able to say, okay, I'm comfortable reaching out to these other people in my life. Um, or even people as simple as, I don't know if you, if you personally know Eric Reamer, um, but he was someone that for me, he helped me develop my website. He really helped me feel confident in some of the business and marketing perspectives when I was first moving to Denver and getting organized in the world. And so I, I would say I have a lot of mentors and, you know, in the dance world, coaches that have really helped me grow as an individual, as a performer, as a dancer. And that I think has guided me to become a better teacher as well. So I think I have mentors from all areas of the spectrum and so many people that I couldn't even name them all. Well, and obviously the, the dancing analogy, the sports analogy, mm -hmm. it's easy to see the value of a coach, right? Especially right. in dance, that 
you can't see your you can't see your hand. You can't see your position. Exactly. You know, your hand looks like a dead fish out there. You need to do this or do that with it, right? And or it yep. should point this way or point that way. Mm -hmm. um, and helping people understand that in the business world is mm -hmm. is very similar. And so the analogy that I like um, is like you can't read the label when you're inside the box. Right. And 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 you need you need a coach to to read the label and just just the simple instructions on the outside that you can't see. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's the power of the power of a coach. And so I think there's a real advantage to having that so much of a sports dance type background um, in, in relation to how you relate to coaches and, and how you look to others for for advice and for help and support. Absolutely. And that's something I've seen a lot of individuals while I haven't necessarily personally set up a coaching relationship in the business world. I've had people who have really given me a bit of that role throughout the course of time and given me a little bit of insight. And by having those communications or seeing others who have really worked with coaches, I've seen a change in how they promote their business and how they run their business. And like I was kind of saying earlier, kind of truly coming into their own authenticity as an individual in the business world and seeing how that has helped them succeed as well. Absolutely. When I think being able to be your authentic self and mm -hmm. seeing your, your passion for serving people align with your purpose in nutrition mm -hmm. um, is pretty powerful. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And it's something that for me, that that passion is something that I I never want to lose. You know, I I know I will, will no longer be in the correct field when I lose that passion. And so hopefully I never lose it. Well, I think I think all of us, I think all of hum, humans were born with um, a purpose to help other people. And yeah. when you can find that purpose and it brings you joy to, mm -hmm. to do that, that's kind of your purpose and passion in alignment. And, and I appreciate always seeing that in you. And, and so you bring a lot to the table, but, but I think all of us have that within us. It mm -hmm. just needs to be, you know, you need, some people need permission to draw it out and, and exactly. put it to work. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. I, I see that, you know, wholeheartedly. It's something that I've seen so many individuals who, kind of lose lose who they are in that day-to-day -day job world per se and they just they define themselves by the fact that oh I'm a salesperson or oh I'm this and then I come home and I make dinner and then I go to bed and then I start the day over again and being able to find okay how can I really put my passion into play in a way that will also be financially sustainable because that uh, unfortunately has to be an important part of running a business or else, you know, I, I always use the analogy when it comes to self-care of that, the, the air, airline analogy of you've got to put your own mask on before you can help someone else. And I think that that's an important thing that a lot of people miss when they start into the entrepreneurial world is they go so headfirst that they forget that they're not going to be able to be successful if they don't take care of themselves in the process. Ooh, 
self-care is self-care is so important and just giving yourself permission um, mm -hmm. to have you know some self-care um, how have you how have you created boundaries for yourself obviously super busy life that yeah. you've created but uh, where do you have some boundaries that uh, help you protect yourself yeah so that's something i i would say i'm still always working on because i i am inherently someone that is willing to break my boundaries in order to help others so sometimes i have to relook at myself and say okay you need to take today off or you need to do those things so i i generally unless it's a very specific circumstance of traveling or something where i'm going to be out of town on a sunday which doesn't happen too often um i always make sure i have one full day off a week and then another day that's focused primarily on getting things done for myself so you know appointments and grocery shopping and laundry and all of those good things but one day that i take a hundred percent off where you know i might go through and i'll look at like i have my clients do journal entries i might do that but that only takes me about 10 minutes a day so i'll do that and then otherwise i just i veg out or i go and i go on a walk or you know i do those things just to really define my own time and be able to rejuvenate after a busy week and then also knowing like another big thing that i learned that i would say helped me a ton is i found do not disturb mode on my phone nice and so you know when it's after a certain point in the evening that do not disturb mode goes on and so there's no phone calls waking me up at 6 a.m saying okay i have questions about a nutrition visit or all of that and learning that it's okay to allow someone to leave a voicemail and call them back rather than giving them yourself in the middle of being busy just because you want to answer right away but rather give them your time when you actually have the time to be able to give it to them nice so yeah. you mentioned journaling Mm -hmm. um, are there other routines that you have that you stick to every day? Yeah. So I basically, I mean, one thing I've worked on is I've tried to set a sleep schedule that I, I've learned is, is very important to help have good quality rest. And I've counseled my clients on it for a long time, but it's something I finally started practicing what I was preaching. Um, and then Otherwise, for me, really just the consistency of knowing, you know, this is when I'm going to do my um, kind of the paperwork things, go through emails, do all of that. You know, then this is my practice time. This is my client time. This is my teaching time. And then this is my wind down, you know, whether it's I watch a TV show or I play a game or, you know, just stand in the shower for 20 minutes or whatever you need to do to kind of wind down at the end of the day. For me, having that clear transition from when I get home into, okay, now it's time to relax and rejuvenate. I have found setting that boundary for myself has been really important for self-care and being able to get good rest and keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, Having an evening routine sets up the morning routine so much better. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. All right. So what's what's Ricky's big dream? 
Oh, man. That's a good question. I have lots of dreams. But <laughs> I would say, you know, one thing in, in business, one of my biggest dreams is I would like to be able to get my practice to a point where I have other people who work for my practice with very similar passions and very similar approaches to nutrition and how they see the world of nutrition um, and being able to help those individuals become great practitioners and then maybe see clients a little bit less often but still be within that world of helping because I don't think I could totally step out of it. Um, so kind of have that, you know, a full business that's not just me, myself, and I, but myself and other like-minded practitioners that can, so that I can reach more individuals and provide greater services to a wider range of individuals. Yeah, so it's also the place where you start outsourcing the things you don't want to do so you can focus on the things you do want to do. Exactly, yes. At this point, I definitely do a lot of my own my own things and haven't outsourced, but that's also something I'm, I'm learning over the years is the importance of being able to know when to delegate and when you don't have to be in charge of certain things in your business to still be successful. So let's, so let's talk a little bit about dance and, and your journey into becoming a professional dancer. Yeah. So that was, it's been quite the journey, I would say. Um, I started dancing now. I was looking back at the calendar and I was like, wow, it's been 13 years since I took my first dance lesson. And I took a lesson as part of a teen kid class um, at a dance studio. I had quit gymnastics about six months earlier and I was trying to figure out a new active passion for myself. Um, and it's kind of a funny story of why I started dancing because I you know, I watched that show, So You Think You Can Dance, and thought ballroom dancing looked kind of cool. Um, and then in addition to that, all my old gymnastics teammates would always tell me how terrible of a dancer I was whenever we oh. were dancing. And so for me, we have a studio that opened up down the road from my house, and I said, you know, let me give this a try. I want to prove these people wrong. And so I started taking lessons, and I was hooked immediately. It was something that for whatever reason, I connected with mentally, emotionally, and I found so much joy in it. And dancing, I feel, brought me a lot of my confidence as I grew up, um, because I started when I was 16. I was I was pretty shy and pretty reserved as, as a teenager, dealt with a lot of those high school challenges that so many people do. And, you know, I started to kind of come into my own with my dancing and I was in the college ballroom club, which I eventually throughout the course of the years ran that college club, which gave me a lot of that kind of starter business experience um, because I ran a club. The club had over a hundred members. We had to keep everyone organized. And so that was really cool. And after that, I, you know, I thought I was really good. <laughs> and so I was like, I want to be a professional. And try it out with some people and I wasn't ready to be a professional quite yet. <laughs> and so at that point I, I worked with another teacher a little longer, um, a couple more years. And at that point I really focused in on my dancing. I learned, I learned how to 
be independent as a dancer within a partner sport, which was really a big change for me because I was able to go and practice by myself and be able to learn those skills of, okay, how do I actually know what I'm doing rather than just following what my leader is telling me to do, but have an awareness that I can be an active part of that partnership. And so after learning those skills and doing that for a while, then I met my current partner at a competition and we tried out. And then that's when I picked up and moved to Denver. And during my professional dance journey, I've also had a huge growth in confidence and personality where, again, I still had a little bit of that shyness in the process where I didn't totally believe you are a professional and you know what you're doing. And through time, learning that confidence side of things has really changed who I am, both as a professional competitor and as a teacher. Nice. Yeah. That's so awesome. And and so, what I mean, what does it mean to be a professional dancer? What I mean, what mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's not like a professional football player. They play every Sunday. They right. <laughs> what so. A professional dancer, I guess you could say, has a bit of ambiguity to it because technically anyone could decide to be a professional and go and compete in the professional events. Not everyone should make that decision, <laughs> but anyone could make that decision. <laughs> but as a student, you can compete as a student or you can compete as an amateur competitor and those things are, are also really great experiences and a really great area of dancing but i think the biggest things that set true professional dancers apart from a student or an amateur is that ability to really number one be able to be a good teacher i find that to be an important part of being a professional dancer is being able to not just be able to do it but also to be able to explain it and to be able to understand what you're doing rather than just doing it <laughs> Um, and then on top of that, I would say, obviously, as a professional, you're competing in professional divisions. So in general, you're competing against higher level dancers and you're going and you're traveling and, you know, you can win a little more money than you can as a student. And, you know, you're you're really taking it as not just just a hobby at that point, but something that's really part of your career and who you are as an individual. Nice. Yeah. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. Just <laughs> That was a good question, though. It made me think. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you deal with the challenge of the balancing your your business and your your dance profession. And I think you, you do an excellent job. And I'm glad that you are you know, committed to protecting yourself and giving yourself at least one day off a week. Um, how has your how has your faith played a role in all of this and in, in your growth? Yeah, that's something that for me, I feel like my faith actually, especially through COVID, <laughs> got a lot stronger. Nice. Um, it was something that was always a big part of my life. I grew up in a Jewish in a Jewish school. I always loved the cultural side of being Jewish and that you know that belief in God and all of those traditions that bring a culture together and a family unit together 
has always been really important to me. But I think the faith of being able to understand that, you know, sometimes there is potentially something outside of yourself that can give you a little bit of that extra something to lean on, I think has been really helpful for me in the times when I have maybe felt challenged or discouraged or feeling like I don't necessarily know my direction. Oh, that's, that's so good. <laughs> All right. So now a young entrepreneur is sitting across from Miss Professional Ricky, and mm-hmm. you have a chance to share your words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. What would you leave them with? I would say the biggest thing is get your logistics under control. And once you have your logistics organized, really make sure that you know who you are and what you want to provide as an entrepreneur and really take those things and embrace them wholeheartedly and show that to the people that you want to serve as well as the people that may be your referral or connection sources. And I feel like that is one of the best ways to be successful. Nice. Ricky, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. What a great conversation and just uh, appreciate you sharing. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And I am, I'm really honored to have been a part of the conversation with you today. Well, if you enjoyed the show, please like, and subscribe. We have a free gift for you at add value. Number two entrepreneurs.com. We've created a collection of the top tips that have been shared on our show for entrepreneurs. Do you struggle with procrastination, putting off the work until the last minute? Well, you are not alone. Many of our clients start there. We are launching a new five-day challenge to help you take more action and make more money in your business. Each day is a 10-minute video lesson and a worksheet. If you take 15 to 30 minutes to do the worksheet, it will change your life and business and exponentially increase the amount of work you get done each day. Right now, it is only $27 and contains five of our best tools for helping you move forward. It can be found at addvalue2life.com slash action. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.